Production and distribution of City Club Forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon, and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Merle Johnson, a member of the State Board of Education representing District 11 and a proud City Club member. I am pleased to introduce today's forum, a discussion on the struggles and successes of first-generation college students. There are many hurdles to obtaining a college degree and some occur before a student even sets fo foot on campus. Between the applications, visits, tests, and tutors, applying to college can cost hundreds to thousands of dollars. If the financial barrier wasn't enough, the many deadlines and forms create even more obstacles in the application process. This can be daunting for any potential college student especially for those who are considered first-generation. While the definition of first-generation students can fluctuate, generally, these students come from a family where neither parent has a four-year degree. Many of these students also come from low-income families and identify as a racial or ethnic minority. Because of those financial and social barriers, the impact of having parents who have attended education after high school can be significant. Only 50% of first-generation students graduated within six years, whereas if at least one parent had an associate degree or higher, the rate jumps to 72%. In 1965, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Higher Education Act, which contained the Upward Bound Program, designed to support the first-generation students and or students from low-income families throughout college by provi providing grants and services. In addition to federal programs, many nonprofits, institutions, and colleges and universities including right here in Northeast Ohio, are creating resources and scholarships designed to support these students. How are these programs succeeding? What needs are unique to first-generation students? And what can we expect for the future of supporting first-generation students? We've assembled a panel of local and regional experts to share their perspectives. Moderating our conversation today is Crane's Cleveland Business Manufacturing and Higher Education reporter, Rachel Abby McCafferty. She joined the publication as a manufacturing reporter in March 2013. Before that, she was a local editor for Patch in Northeast Ohio 
and a reporter for Catalyst Ohio, a Cleveland education magazine. She received her bachelor's degree in no newspaper journalism at Kent State University in May 2008. Ms. McCafferty, I turn the forum over to you to introduce our panel. Great. Thank you so much for that really good introduction. I think that lays the groundwork pretty well. And we have a really great panel. I've been very excited to speak with all of them about this. I think you're going to have a good conversation here today. So I'll start right here. We have Victoria Ampiao, President-Elect of Ohio TRIO and Assistant Director of the TRIO program at Bowling Green State University. We have Kalila A. Lawson, an Upward Bound graduate and Assistant County Prosecutor for the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office. We have Dr. Janice Marshall, Associate Vice President of Access and Community Engagement at Cuyahoga Community College, and Miguel Sanders, former director of the Upward Bound program at Case Western Reserve University. So why don't we, we start, you all have some sort of involvement with the TRIO program. Can you tell, me, tell us a little bit about the program, um, the people that it serves, and some of the, the programming that it offers? Victoria, would you like to start maybe? Sure. Um, so TRIO programs were um, created in 1964 with the Upper Bound program to, um, it was a pilot, actually Upper Bound started as a pilot program to help first generation uh, students, students from economically challenged backgrounds to be able to have access to college. Um, and since uh, that program, TRIO programs have um, now have eight different programs that service uh, people in the community um, to address um, those who are pre-college populations and those who are um, veterans and um, other, others in our um, communities who just don't have access or the knowledge that they need to um, gain access to higher education or post-secondary education. I am working with the Educational Talent Search Program, which is one of the TRIO programs that provides services to students on a, a kind of a low level, um, if you will, um, providing a few services and providing access and exposure to college. Um, I also am now the director of our TRIO programs at Bowling Green State University, um, where we have four TRIO programs. Um, we have the Upward Bound Program, the Talent Search Program, Student Support Services, and as well as our McNair program. Um, and McNair um, is a college level program that provides opportunity and um, support to students who would like to go on to pursue a terminal degree, um, a doctorate de level degree. And then the SSS program, Student Support Services, provides services and support to students who actually make it to um, higher education, who need supportive services to make it, to stay retained and to ultimately complete. Um, I am an alumni of a student support services program from Bowling Green State University, so I'm very familiar with the services as they have impacted me personally. Okay, great. Um, good afternoon, everyone. I am a first-generation college student, originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up on the east side of Cleveland. I attended and graduated from Collinwood High School. Uh, I got introduced to Upward Bound in 2001. I attended the program at Cleveland State University where Mr. Miguel Sanders at the time uh, was the director of the program. And I stayed with the Upward Bound program from 2001 uh, throughout my high school career, 2004. And I attribute a lot of my access to the Upward Bound program 
and the exposure that the program gives. It allows students like myself who are from uh, inner cities, underdeveloped areas, communities, first-generation college students to have a chance to experience life outside of Cleveland, Ohio and have an opportunity to attend college and know that whatever you want to do is attainable. Um, upon graduation from undergraduate, I came back as a residential coordinator and a volunteer for the Upward Bound program. Um, I have been in contact with my Upward Bound Trio family since uh, I've been in the program probably over maybe almost 20 years. Um, like I said, I was 14 when I joined the program. And now as an adult, I'm married with children, and I'm still in touch with a lot of members of the Trio Upward Bound family. And good afternoon. I am a Trio alum. I grew up in Flint, Michigan, matriculated to Michigan State University, where I was fortunate to be a part of the Student Support Services Program as a disabled student. And so having been a participant in the program, I've also served as an Upward Bound Counselor in the summer, and now I have the privilege of providing executive leadership to six TRIO programs, three college uh, ready programs and three student support services programs, and Cuyahoga Community College is the only community college to offer a national TRIO training program to uh, participate, excuse me, to staff members uh, from all over the country. So we know TRIO works. Hello, my name is Miguel Sanders, um, former director of a couple different TRIO programs at Cleveland State University as well as Case Western Reserve University. I too am a student support service alumni from Cleveland State University and it's important to know that TRIO does work and with that I think sometimes we assume that many of you know what TRIO stands for because for us it's, it's a, something common that we use but I want to make sure that everybody does understand TRIO was nicknamed back in 1965 for the first three TRIO programs which were Student Support Services, Upward Bound, and Educational Talent Search. So when you hear us say TRIO that's where it comes from. Ultimately today there's eight TRIO programs um, and they all serve various uh, students from bachelor's to postgraduate level programs. Um, you know, I've had a wealth of, of experience working with kids throughout the years. Um, I've worked on both sides of the spectrum. I've been to the detention center. I've been to foster care. I've been a case manager. Um, I've been in locked up units. Um, and then I've worked with honor students, some of the biggest and brightest minds. And you know, it's sad to say that those brightest minds aren't always found in a school. Sometimes they're found in a, a residential facility, you know, because kids have a lot of issues that they're going through now, particularly first-generation students. You've got kids who, you know, as I was told the other day, there was a young man. He had been raped, you know, and he's in a residential facility said, who raped you? He said, my dad raped me. He's in jail now. My mom is a drug addict. Um, she's addicted to drugs and alcohol. So therefore, as he has one of the brightest and sharpest minds I've seen in a long time at 15 years old, nonetheless, he's a first-generation student who needs to find a program such as TRIO to bring him out and provide him the exposure he needs to make us all better. 
Miguel, that's, that's a powerful example of some of the students that are going to be, that can be helped by these types of programs. Now, the, the challenges that students are going to face are going to range from the, the very serious end, like you just mentioned, to perhaps the more day-to-day -day challenges. What, what are some of the challenges that people might not realize that first-generation students face? I can't. I guess I'll address that as a first-generation um, college student. Thank you. A lot of, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, a lot of the issue that you see face is the exposure to college to even know that the opportunities exist and are out there. Many of uh, first generation college students don't have an idea to attain a post-secondary education until they are seniors in high school. And like it was discussed, if the idea of attending a university is not implemented in a student's mind when they first enter high school, even in the middle school phase, then the likelihood of them going or attending a college is not that attainable. Um, we have to reach a lot of our students young, even in middle school, to put an idea in their head that this is something that you can look forward to and reach. And what I will say about the Upward Bound program, it's a year-round college preparatory program. It's not just a summer six-week program where you stay on a campus and you, know, you get to hang out with your friends and things like that. Year-round, they provide tutoring. They do college tours. You're exposed to professors, to educators who continually motivate you to get to your end goal. And a lot of times the issue is first generation college students don't have that. They don't even have it until the last year of college. But if someone's talking to you about something from the time you're 13 till you get to 17 is reiterated over and over again, you have a built in confidence that this is something I'm going to do and that I can do and I will succeed in doing it. And you, you raise a good point. Is how The early intervention is important, but how important too are those relationships that are built over time? I can speak to that. I can yeah. tell you they're extremely powerful. Um, again, I grew up in a family where I was one of 10 children, and it was always important to my parents that we knew we were going to college. What they didn't talk with us about was how we were going to pay for going to college yeah. or how to be successful once we were admitted to a particular college or university. And I can tell you the relationships that are developed, they are with you uh, throughout your educational experience as well as your professional experience. I can tell you that um, the, stu the student support services advisors I was privileged to work with, they were some of the first to congratulate me and knew I had successfully defended my dissertation. And so I completed my bachelor's degree in 82 those uh, student advisors helped me to understand I could go on and complete a master's degree. They assisted me in doing that. Um, I think as Kalia has mentioned, the relationships uh, from age 14 and now she's married and has children, TRIO family, it's a, it's a family affair. Uh, the TRIO student uh, advisors, whether it's Talent Search, it's Student Support Services, or Upward Bound or McNair, they really stand in the gap to help students understand how to create, how to manage, uh, and how to persist in terms of their network of both academic success, so working with faculty, how you work with faculty, um, how you actually uh, gain access uh, for professional experiences. And so when you're a first generation student, your family, your parents, haven't had the privilege of having those experiences, so they can't pass those experiences on to you. 
so they really stand in to support you and I can say also with our student support services and our pre-college programs we really work effectively with multiple generations with scholars and their parents or guardians to help them to understand the access mission how to enroll, how to persist, and how to complete their degrees and certificates. Thank you, Janice. I would say also, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we talked a, a little bit about the college level, but in pre-college um, level, sometimes um, in high school, students are not having conversations with their guidance counselors because they're, they're testing and they're doing all sorts of other activities that um, are not really having a conversation about, you know, how do you get to college? Um, what, do you, what should you be thinking about in terms of a career? Those kinds of conversations are not happening. And so if you can't see where you're going or you don't have a plan on how you're going to get there, mm -hmm. um, there's a gap there. And so um, TRIO programs, our Upward Bound programs, our talent search programs provide, they fill those gaps and they come in and they have those conversations. And sometimes it's with um, students who, who a lot of our students want to be athletes and they just don't understand the NCAA rules. And so, you know, we look for those gaps and we fill those gaps. Um, at at, at um, some of the target schools that we service in our programs at Bowling Green, there's nothing, it's nothing for us to reach out to our athletic department and ask them to come and have a conversation with our coaches in our high school so students understand from ninth grade what they need to be thinking about if they're planning to go to college, if they're going to be accepted. Um, there's, there's other knowledge gaps where students don't understand that once they've been accepted to college, there's something called the summer melt. Um, and that, that happens where a student is planning to go to college, they've applied and they've done their financial aid, but then something happens between that summer that they graduate and then they go on to freshman year. What happens? A lot of times they don't understand they need to log into their account. Even though um, the institutions send them information, even though we've had those conversations um, anymore, um, sitting down and, and saying, hey, did you open up your account? Did you go in and see? You know, I've had, I've had valedictorians where I've gone to get a cup of coffee from a McDonald's to not be at the University of Cincinnati where she was supposed to be because she didn't realize she had funds and she said, I can't afford to go. And I'm like, well, did you sign into your account? Never signed in. Didn't know she had scholarship dollars. Didn't know she had, you know, pieces of information. So now, um, you know, our programs and our, we're looking at those gaps and saying, how can we better service our students to make sure that they have the information that they need to make sure that they get there? And then once they get there, are we making connections? I have colleagues from Cleveland who will reach out to me and say, hey, I have a student coming to Bowling Green State University. You guys have a student support services program, helping those students to get connected and feel a sense of belonging once they get there. Um, I'm originally from Cleveland as well, and I remember when I left here from the inner city um, and, and went to Bowling Green, and I truly felt like a minority, and I didn't know how to, I was, I was academically, I was, I was good. But socially and being in a community that was predominantly white and really truly feeling like a minority, I constantly wanted to come home. I was homesick. I didn't like it there. It was very challenging. And it was the student support services folk who helped me to develop that sense of belonging, to create relationships with me and helping me to understand that I needed to be connected to the campus and referring me across campuses to services that could help fulfill whatever needs they, they were, whether I, you know, figuring out what it is that I like and helping me to make those connections. And so those relationships are, are critically important. And I think that um, 
TRIO programs has kind of figured that out, and that's just going back to the services that we provide. We provide services for not just academic and helping students to connect academically, but how do you, what do you do with all that personal stuff? What happens when a student's parents are divorcing and they're away at school or they're coming back home and their family members are kind of feeling like, you know, oh, so you think you somebody. And then, and then the student now wants to go back home because they don't want to lose those connections back home because they're now changing, if you will. Um, it's, it's programs like ours that help students to navigate how to renegotiate their relationships um, with their family members um, who may not understand what they're facing, but also with faculty and, and the campus community who also may not understand. When you have that African-American male student who's there because of his academics, but he's being treated like he's there on an on a, on a athletic scholarship. The feelings that are generated because of things like that. And it's TRIO programs that step in and to help students to be able to negotiate those feelings and kind of how to, to um, learn how to, to thrive in the, in the environment sometimes that they may not feel is, is welcoming, if you will. I think that's extremely important, Victoria. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And if I may just piggyback on the comment you made about the connection. The connection is so, so, so important, especially as a first generation. When you leave your home, your family, the inner city, and you go away to college, just like you said, when you come back, you have your friends that you grew up with that you know you went to high school with, and they look at you differently in a different way as if you know you think you're better or you went away and you did something. And it's so easy to get pulled back into that lifestyle that you left. So it's important to have those connections while you're in school, while you're away at college, so that you remain focused because there's so many distractions when you're coming from an environment trying to better yourself that will pull you back in. Definitely. And I just want to add to that. Um, one of the things I tried to encourage students to do when I was the director of Upward Bound was create positive peer relationship. Um, I mean, you can't talk enough about building good relationships. As I even tell kids in a practical sense, if, if you hang around nine broke friends, you're bound to be the tenth. <laughs> and, and, and so in your relationships, you know, think about what it is that you ultimately want to do and you find people with like minds and they come together and you start to generate good conversation. You know, things that are meaningful and valuable to your development and growth. You know, you talk about going to college. I mean, as we see at some schools and districts, you know, the counselor ratio is like 300 to one. How can counselors effectively serve students with those type of numbers? It's not their fault, but however, we have to start thinking outside of the box. Kids, you have a brain, you gotta use them. You know, think on your feet. You guys are smart. And it amazes me what our youngsters know. Sometimes that, 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 that knowledge needs to be channeled, but start amongst yourselves. Build good peer relationships with people in school, in your classroom, on your sports team, and then be able to make good decisions about moving further. And I would just also add one more uh, caveat to this conversation. Um, a lot of students who are in high school or even in college might be told what to do. I mean, there's lots of advising, there's lots of counseling, but TRIO creates a co-collaborative co relationship. We don't just tell you, we walk with you to actually help you and show you how to, how to do what, what needs to happen. If it's financial aid, we're working with you, walking with you to do that. And I think that's a very unique distinction 
amongst most of the TRIO-related programs. It's not just tell you, it's walk with you to help you to do that. That's very important, Janice. Now, what can people do if, you're, if they're not involved in a TRIO program, they're not in higher education? What can people in the community do to help support first-generation students? Have you seen some best practices among the TRIO programs that maybe could be applied elsewhere or, or anything I, else? I would say um, I think a lot of business uh, jobs or corporations that are not directly involved with education, but you know, you may provide a segue or an internship or a program for students. You affiliate yourself with the Upward Bound TRIO program because TRIO does have, TRIO and Upward Bound both have targeted high schools. I know particularly, I don't know if they're the same. When I was in Upward Bound, it was Collinwood, Glenville, East Tech, East High, and Martin Luther King. And a lot of programs that help is, if you're a corporation or a business and students have interest in that type of job experience, align yourself with the program so that you can have a connection to this job after college because that's another thing, issue that presents itself when after our first generation students graduate, where do they go from there? You know, if you're not attaining a master's degree, a law degree, uh, something of that sort, you still need a job and you still need those connections and that segue into the workforce. So align yourself with the program and provide support that way so that students can enter the workforce and be successful. And I would echo that. I actually had a chat with my siblings uh, in preparation for the panel discussion today and just asked that they would share with me what were those experiences that made the difference. And I would echo what Kalia said for businesses and nonprofits uh, to work alongside their, their TRIO related programs. And I want to remind you TRIO programs are federally funded and even though they're federally funded, it's typically not enough funds for all the related experiences. So if you can provide additional support, whether it's mentoring support or it's other grant-related support uh, to help those scholars have a very rich experience, whether it's pre-college or while they're in college, um, I think that would be very important. <laughs> I'd like to say, I mean, unfortunately, TRIO only serves a small percentage of the population that needs help. When you have these outer ring suburb areas, you know, they have many students who could benefit from our services, but unfortunately, due to the stringent income guidelines and guidelines of being a first-generation student, these, these uh, areas do not uh, are not eligible for such program. But one of the things you may do if you're not associated is fi find a book called Let Them Know, which is uh, authored by myself, which talks about ways to be successful. And, you know, we want to be able to reach everybody in some form or fashion. So that's my goal in life because, I mean, I've internalized this plight and I'm always here to help. Uh, thanks, Miguel. Um, lastly, um, as, as the um, incoming president for Ohio TRIO, um, one of the things about TRIO programs and what, what helps TRIO to continue to, to do the work um, and to make sure that these programs are available and in our communities to help students um, is, is advocacy. Um, and so we need a strong advocacy base, um, advocating for um, increased funding. Um, oftentimes you'll find that um, there's discussions about, are these programs effective? 
Um, why should we continue to fund these? Why should the federal government continue to fund these type of programs? And as, as you've heard many of us on this panel say, and, and probably some of you in the audience say, TRIO does work. TRIO is make, having an impact. Um, all of us have mentioned that we're TRIO alum. Um, we've, I, I came to TRIO to give back, to give back to the communities um, because it was because of the relationships that I developed. It was because of the services that were provided as to why now I have graduated and I'm currently working on my doctorate. I was a little girl who grew up in Cleveland in the projects. At one point, my mom went to, to Tri-C and my first experiences was sitting in the classroom. And now I find myself at Bowling Green State University in a doctoral program. And if someone had to ask me back then, and I often think to back then, where would I find myself? I was a product of Jane Addams Business Career Center. I um, did my internship for my legal secretary training down at the Cleveland Board of Education. I thought I was going to get a job and get an apartment and buy a car. <laughs> I didn't, you know, it was a counselor who sent me on a bus to Bowling Green and that's how I wound up there. And when I got there and got connected to mm -hmm. TRIO, from there went the story. And so advocacy from partners, from business partners, from those in the community who really truly can understand that these programs do work. And when you hear conversations about TRIO, um, you know, advocating and helping us to advocate, oftentimes we will send out pieces of information saying, hey, there's a, there's a call to action, helping us to call our Congress folks and helping them to understand that the, the dollars here are not wasted dollars. Oftentimes we, we you know, we, we, I, I've, I've been to DC and I'm sure some of my colleagues have, have as well to, uh, to go and talk to our Congress folks and our, and our, and our senators to not cut our funding. Um, you know, we've had cuts, we were stagnant for a period, and now we've seen an increase in some funding, but we're still not back at the level that we were at maybe five, ten years ago um, to service students. And every dollar that's cut is, is students that we can't service. So advocacy is something that, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you advocate for TRIO and you help us to fight for the dollars that we have and care for, um, student. and care for our students, um, you know, you, it doesn't get any better than that. Thank you, Victoria. Today we are enjoying a forum with local leaders addressing the struggles and successes of first-generation college students, including Victoria Ampial, President-elect of Ohio TRIO and Assistant Director of the TRIO program at Bowling Green State University, Kalila A. Lawson, an Upward Bound graduate and Assistant County Prosecutor for the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office. Dr. Janice Marshall, Associate Vice President of Access and Community Engagement at Cuyahoga Community College, and Miguel Sanders, former director of the Upward Bound Program at Case Western Reserve University. Our moderator is Rachel Abby McCafferty of Crane's Cleveland Business. We are about to begin the audience Q&A. We welcome questions from everyone City Club members, guests, students, and those of you joining us via our radio broadcast or live stream. If you'd like to tweet your question, please tweet us at the City Club, and our staff will work it into the program. Holding our microphones today are Youth Forum Council Chair, Tiolu Orsanya, and Membership and Customer Experience Manager, Corey Eisler. May we have our first question Please. First of all, thank you to the panel, to our moderator. Um, this has been um, quite good. 
My name's David Moody, and Victoria, shout out to you. I did my PhD at Bowling Green State University in American Culture Studies, and I also taught there for six years. Awesome. So all the best to you. Um, here's my question. Uh, I work as a retention advising specialist for a very small private college about 27 miles east of Cleveland called Lake Erie College. And we, about 12 years ago, brought in a football program, which happens to be Division II. I would say 80 to 85% of the players are African-American. Uh, they come to us from all over the country. They are looking for somebody that looks like them, so they find me. Uh, by the way, I'm the first black administrator that's ever been at Lake Erie College. And the school was founded in 1856. <laughs> but then there's problems, because most of them are first generation and they haven't had the prep in high school that they should have. There's issues pertaining to plagiarism because I don't know what it is. And quite frankly, it's just not um, my black athletes, student athletes, but some of the white student athletes, some of the students, period, they just don't, they don't get it. So they get into the classroom, the professor expects them to get it, they should have got it before they got there, and then there's a problem. Study skills, study habits. Can't have your earbuds in your ears and the prof is lecturing. Time management issues. The list goes on and on and on. And when we speak of financial aid, not everybody's gonna make it to the Cleveland Browns, even though we need some help, we all know that. <laughs> but after the first semester or two, and they're not playing, they want to transfer, they have debt, they don't seem to understand if you don't pay your debt, your transcripts aren't going to be released and you want to go someplace else. So now they have a, a bigger hole that they have dug for themselves. So I think the last comment that the moderator had made is what can we do in the community, I think is relevant and it's an important one, is that especially at the high school level, there needs to be more prep with our kids so it's one thing to get the money to get into school, but it's another thing to get in there and really not be able to make some sense of what it is I'm doing. And let me just say, um, you're standing uh, on an opportunity. Uh, my parents didn't allow us to complain if we saw a problem. We had to equally seek the opportunity. And I think your opportunity is to create additional partnership relationships with business and industry and other organizations in the Lake Erie vicinity. And so at the end of the day, for scholars who don't know those things, you're standing on an opportunity to bridge the, the gap for those uh, young men. And I was just gonna say, um, you know, uh, as, you, as you think about, and, and, and most of what you said, I think uh, TRIO programs address that, um, especially at the college level through Student Support Services Program mm -hmm. for those students who are, who are fortunate enough to get into um, our SSS programs through TRIO. However, as, as an institution, um, and I think as we think more about the fact that we're gonna have more and more first-generation students um, you know, entering our doors, um, TRIO programs will probably will not be able to serve 
the majority of them, um, at Bowling Green State University, for example, um, our Res Life folks are heading up first gen, and uh, although COE, which is the Council of Opportunity and Education, which is our national trio organization, has partnered with, I believe it was NASPA or ACPA for first gen day, and there's a national first gen day, um, which is November 8th, um, each year on the, on the, the, um, the date for the Higher Education Act, right? Um, to talk about first-gen and first-generation students and the issues that they face and how are we able to bridge some of the gap. Um, it's an opportunity to look at, you see that there's a gap, there's a need, um, and how might your institution respond and maybe being a part of that conversation and leading the discussion on that conversation with administrators in terms of maybe doing a summer bridge program, maybe having a first-year experience course, maybe having workshop opportunities for those students to then begin to have those conversations so that as they move forward, um, they're, 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 they're no longer kind of in the dark. And you might still have to, as us trio folks know, remind them, um, call them in and, and say, hey, so-and-so, look, um, look at how um, the dean of students is working to discipline students and say this is an opportunity for growth for these students as opposed to just being punitive all the time. Maybe we should look at how can we help students to grow and learn from maybe mistakes for plagiarism. Students don't know, and they don't know what they don't know, and it is our responsibility to help to educate them and bring them and catch them up. Because I promise you, the reason why TRIO work is because we help to bridge the gap and we bring students to the level and level out the playing field so those students can succeed. And so you do have an opportunity to, to, to get together with folks in the community to maybe fund some additional time for instructors um, but also the opportunity to help your campus to begin to understand kind of what things they can do to help students to come to an understanding. Um, financial literacy, that's one of, the, one of our mandates from the federal government is that we have to make sure that our students are financially literate about kind of financial aid and about the funds that they receive and how they need to kind of utilize those funds so they're not in debt and they're not walking away. Um, you know, I've served in TRIO and I've served not in TRIO as an academic advisor and I can't tell you the number of times I've had athletes to sit before me and having to change their majors to play and they didn't like to see me because I would close the door and not, let's, let's have a real conversation here. You signed a contract and you're supposed to be getting an education for your time and your, and your energy and your life's blood. Are you doing that? And let's talk about what that looks like and helping them to understand. And so they don't know. And so it, it is part of, you know, I, I charge you with taking that back to your campus and to your administration to help them to understand and to begin having those conversations. And if you need other folks to help you to advocate and how to figure that out, I'm willing um, to help you to stand up to have those conversations. Yeah, the conversations have begun mm -hmm. since I've been there. Awesome. Great, thank you. Hello, um, my name is Renaya McLaurin. I go to MC Square STEM. I'm in 11th grade. My question is for the first college students is, um, oh, I'm getting nervous. Um, <laughs> um, I was wondering, what about the cost of going to college now? It's programs and scholarships and tuition, but the students who don't have enough money and some families gotta worry about the cost of the books and everything. My question is what to do 
when it comes to going to college because I'm planning to go to college, but I have to stay in Cleveland, Ohio to go to college because it costs a lot out of Ohio and also costs a lot at C. So my question is what to do other than going to um, programs and trying to get a scholarship for certain for certain college because that don't um, last so long. Okay, that's a great, great question because that is something um, that I struggle with. And of course, it's cheaper to go to college and school. That was a personal experience that I struggle with. I wanted to attend an HBCU. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, it stands for Historically Black College or University. And those colleges, to me personally, help with your development, um, giving you money and funding and trying to help uh, our students, African-American students, succeed. Now, you might not always have the money up front, and it's a faith walk as well. So a lot of times, you may not have the money up front. Um, when I got to college, I applied for scholarships. So although you don't have them, somebody giving you the money in the beginning, your financial aid is not always there, there's connections that you make. Um, you contact somebody, have a mentor that you know. My, me, myself, I would be willing to help you. But what you do is, if you have a goal and you want to go somewhere, you go. I went to Grambling State University. I went to school 18 hours away. I did not know not one person in Grambling, Louisiana. But they offered me um, partial scholarship to pay, to waive. They waived all my out-of-state fees. And a lot of times you don't know until you apply. So don't let, don't get discouraged just because you don't have the money to go. Apply to the school. If you have good academics, you have good grades, you never know what that college will send you in return. And so they paid, uh, they waived all my out-of-state fees, so it was actually like I was receiving in-state tuition, which would be the same if you were here in Ohio. It's that same rate. So therefore, you're receiving your scholarship money that you're still getting, and if you continue on a good academic path, you again gain money from that institution. A lot of the other things I did. When you get to college, it's not about just me getting there. You have to stay there. I involved myself in several activities. I was president of our student union board. Now that was a work study program where they paid me to do that. So you have to have this initiative to go out and talk to people to find out what jobs can I get while I'm in college that still allow me to do my work. My job wasn't at a grocery store where I had to you know, not focus on my schoolwork. I was able to work and go to class. I worked for my professors and that's what paid my tuition. And that's how I got money outside of other scholarships. So, you know, there's always a way to get it if you need help trying to circumvent that process or figuring out how to do it. There are certainly people here that are willing to help you to figure that out. But the first step is just apply, and you never know what offers you'll get. And I would um, also add to that, um, initially coming in, getting scholarships, those scholarships are available to you when you first come in. Some of them are for the full four years or five years, if you will, if you need to stay a fifth year. Um, but also, once you get to college, some scholarships are there after you get there. So it's, it's a continuous process. You don't just kind of get your, your scholarships when you get in the front door. Um, sometimes if you, if, you, if you happen to go to Tri-C and you're going to transfer, some institutions give you scholarship dollars to transfer. Or a major may have a scholarship within the major that you can apply for after you're there. So it's a continuous you know, a, a process that you have to kind of not give up on. And then let me just speak to um, your opportunity at Cuyahoga Community College. 
where it's the lowest tuition of any higher ed institution in the state of Ohio. Not only might you qualify for financial aid, Cuyahoga Community College is extremely fortunate to have uh, many uh, scholarships that offset your cost to attend. And so we work effectively with many foundations to even lower the cost of attendance. And remember, it's the lowest tuition of any higher ed institution in the state of Ohio. Thanks, Shameless Denise. Applause. Uh, how you guys doing? So my question, probably more for students, um, is there any misinformation or misbenefits with the TRIO or Upper Bound program as if you're joining as a middle school, high school student, or if you're joining as a college student? I think you have a, a privileged opportunity if you are fortunate to be a part of a middle school talent search initiative. That's an early uh, opportunity to get engaged with gaining the skills and the experience with knowing how to go. I don't have Miguel Sanders' book yet, but it's all about knowing how to go. And so it's the early exposure, and then that continues once you uh, actually get to college. So to, to start early and gain those foundational skills will only benefit you once you actually get to college. Now, can I, it sounded like you were asking too if there's still value if someone joins later. Is that what oh, you were asking? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I would say that, you know, a lot of times in TRIO, we, we oftentimes, um, us in TRIO will say that TRIO is kind of sort of like a pipeline. So if you start <laughs> in middle school or you start in upward bound in high school and then you go on to college and you connect, once you get to college, you, you probably gain probably the most benefit. Um, but um, all of the programs are kind of, you start when you start if you will. So um, I didn't, I wasn't exposed to TRIO until I got to college. So I started in college and in fact, I think I started my second year in college. So I wasn't like a freshman and then went to Student Support Services. I went to Student Support Services because there was a need and someone else on campus referred me to them. And then once I got in connected, it benefited, I benefited from it. And so I still will always go back to TRIO. I now work with TRIO and advocate for TRIO because of my experience and, and, and wanting to give back to the community and making sure that you know, other people have that same benefit of knowledge that I gained. And even I, I would add to that because um, as I mentioned earlier, so many students don't qualify for TRIO programs. It's not just a given. So anytime you have an opportunity to place your child in a structured activity or an organization, I mean, it can be just as meaningful as a TRIO program. Um, you know, I like to see parents learn with their students, you know, in that dual learning capacity. So if you have children, nieces or nephews, try to find out about other programs. Um, you know, for instance, Case Western Reserve has a national youth sports program. Um, it's been there for probably about 40 years now. Um, one of the most served programs in the city, but it's a hidden gem. So many of those students don't qualify for TRIO programs because they don't live in the prerequisite neighborhood or their income is not eligible. So, you know, don't discount any other program that may be in your community. Okay. Great. Thank you. 
Good afternoon. My name is Monica Lawson, and I'm also a Bowling Green State University graduate. We're just giving Bowling Green all the doors <laughs> today. Um, but, but just like you, I wasn't exposed to TRIO. The high school that I attended um, was not a tar target school here in the Cleveland area, but I was exposed once I got to campus through Student Support Services, and it was my counselor through Student Support Services who encouraged me to become an RA with Upward Bound, which I did for two years. And so I'm hoping that you all can talk to my students, um, 17 students from Lincoln West Science and Health, seniors, who are preparing for internships this fall with the Metro Health System. Do you all mind panelists talking to them about the importance of relationship building creating mentors, sustaining relationships with the adults that they're soon to meet, as well with the teachers that are in their presence on a daily basis. Um, and, you're, and what you're talking about really is about social capital. Um, it's about those folks that are in their circle. So when you were in, in, in elementary school, it was your teachers and your mom and your counselor, maybe the folks in your school. Then when you went to high school, you add the counselor to that, then you start adding programs like Upward Bound, um, maybe your church community and other programs that you engage yourself with, maybe sports. Then when you start thinking about college, now that your social capital is going to be look a little bit different. You got to start, you're going to start losing some folks out of that circle, but you got to add the right folks in. Um, you you got to learn where you're going to get that help from. And so um, having a person like you, who was your, who was your counselor, by the way, at Bowling Green and, and Student Support Services? I'm sorry. Oh yes, yes. Sydney, Sydney, and I, Sydney and I actually graduated together, and I'm in his current position. He he moved on, so he made space and room for me. <laughs> but um, but just being able to expand your circle, right? You have to do that. You have to make those connections. Um, folks like you know Miss Lawson here can help you get connected. Like for instance, if you're interested in Bowling Green. Um, she can reach out and make connections for you ahead of the game. Sometimes folks that I don't even know who are in TRIO will reach out to me and say, hey, I have a student coming to your campus. Can you help them to get connected? Um, but you have to know how to expand that circle and not waiting until you're in trouble. And if I can add anything to that conversation about that is that once you're in trouble, you can probably, it could probably be, you could probably fix it if you, if it was an exam you failed or if it was, you didn't have the funds and now, you know, they're calling your, your, your room all the time and you can't register for the next semester. Those kinds of things can, they can be fixed possibly, or you may have to step out a semester and work or kind of whatever it is to clean things up to get back, right? But it's best if you, understand that it's important that you pull the right people in from the beginning. Thank you, And Victoria. I'll add a piece um, just from a student perspective. I want to be very, very practical uh, with students. We live in an era of social media. Everything, you know, everybody's on their phones. There's Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, and our generation, that's how we communicate, younger people, but you're going away to college, you're starting a new path in your life. Your professor is not following you on Instagram, the teacher is not following you, the people that you actually need are not your Facebook friends. Right. So at some point you have to put down your devices, put down the phone, and you have to go to people, you have to introduce yourself to people, let them know who you are and what you need. If you don't speak up, nobody will know what you need help with. And not even using the word help in a bad way, just to have a connection to know, what do I need to do to succeed? Are there any academic programs? Are there any extracurricular programs? What can I do for work study? You have to be able to walk up to someone and introduce yourself, tell them your name and what you need help with. 
Um, so a lot of times it's those personal skills that we need to work on and develop and be comfortable meeting people and talking to them face to face because we don't do it anymore. Everything's over the phone. So work on, work on those personal skills and shaking somebody's hand, look at them in the eye, and people will respect you more for that. And a lot of time a smile and a good morning and how you doing goes a long way. Because you can't text that. I just have, <laughs> I, I just want to ask too, just to build on that, because I think it's important for the students to know, how important is that network for getting jobs after you graduate too? I mean, I know it's been very important in my career, that support and, and networking. It's, extremely important. I mean, that's what networking and that's, that's what college really prepares you for. It's not always about academics. It's about preparation for your lifestyle, transitioning you into adulthood, into the workforce, and to be more independent. Because you no longer have your mother, your father, people to call on to help you. It's all on you to make sure you succeed. And as I sit here uh, with this panel, networking is important because throughout my college matriculation, I've met a lot of individuals that can help you with resume building. A lot of jobs require a letter of a recommendation. Who are you going to get those letters from? You need to make connections with people in your high school stage, in your early college stage, that will write these letters and know your personal story to make sure you get a foot in the door. And you never know who somebody knows that can have that connection and get you the job that you never thought you may have had. I never grew up thinking that I would be a prosecutor for the state of Ohio. I mean, like I said, I'm from the inner city of Cleveland. I went to Cleveland Public School my entire life. Neither one of my parents attended college. I, had, I did not have that background at all. So for me to grow up and be where I am today is not by happenstance. Everything happens for a reason, but you have to make sure you utilize the opportunities that people are giving you and telling you. You guys are privileged to be here today. So take advantage of that. I just want to add that uh, one important thing is you have to listen. You know, sometimes taking it back to old school, you know, sometimes you have to listen to your elders. You know, <laughs> they are the folks who have been where you want to go. Um, if you look around this room, there are a lot of successful people here. Um, everybody doesn't come and attend a city club. These are people who you want to talk to and ask about college. What was their experience like? How did they pay for college? Um, you know, what is your network? What do you do? I mean, I think sometimes in social media, social media and, and talking to our peers, we think we know it all. But, you know, sadly, there's so much more that we can learn by just listening and apply what we've, we've heard from, you know, my colleagues and, and others around you. So don't take that for granted. Today at the City Club, we've been enjoying a forum with local leaders addressing the struggles and successes of first-generation college students, featuring Victoria Ampial, President-elect of Ohio TRIO and Assistant Director of the TRIO program at Bowling Green State University, Kalila A. Lawson, an Upward Bound graduate and Assistant County Prosecutor for the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office. Dr. Janice Marshall, Associate Vice President of Access and Community Engagement at Cuyahoga County, excuse me, Cuyahoga Community College. And Miguel Sanders, former director of the Upward Bound Program at Case West Reserve University. Today's forum is also the Bernice Kerrigan Smith Forum on Education, made possible by an endowment gift from Ms. Smith's family in honor of her teaching career. We're delighted to have family and friends of Bernice with us today. 
Thank you for your continued support. We welcome guests at tables hosted by Cuyahoga Community College, the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor, and PLIDCO. Additionally, we welcome students from JFK Eagle Academy, Lincoln West School of Science and Health, and MC Squared STEM High School. Student participation in City Club forums is provided by many foundations, including the William M. Weiss Foundation. We thank all of you for being here today. Let's give our students a round of applause for being here. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Ms. Ampiao, Dr. Marshall, Ms. Lawson, Mr. Sanders, and Ms. McCafferty. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Our forum is adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.